Hello and welcome back to NurseCast. I'm Andrew Benny, Product Director at Springer Publishing Company, and your guest host for NurseCast. I'll be filling in for Joe Morita today to cover a topic that seems to surprise many Americans. Today, we'll be talking about the high rate of maternal deaths in the U.S., that is, women who die during childbirth. Despite the fact that the U.S. is a leader in medical science, our country has the highest rate of maternal deaths in the developed world. To better understand this phenomenon and what is being done to address it, we'll be joined today with Dr. Susan Stone. Dr. Stone is a certified nurse midwife, the president of Frontier Nursing University, and the president of the American College of Nurse Midwives. Dr. Stone has been working in the field of reproductive healthcare for women for over 30 years, and she's been an advocate for women seeking an emotionally and physically satisfying childbirth. Here's Dr. Susan Stone. So Dr. Stone, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So Dr. Stone, you recently wrote a, a great piece on maternal mortality in the U.S. on Daily Nurse and KY Forward uh, with specific suggestions on better understanding this issue. Uh, but a lot of our audience might not be as well-read and, and understand this uh, issue and the complexity of this. Uh, I just wanted to get a sense from you. Could you provide an overview of, the, of uh, the maternal mortality issue in the U.S. Uh, for our audience? Okay, yes, I will. So maternal mortality, we are have been seeing a dramatic rise in the mortality rate, probably starting in 1987 and evolving. Um, but the, the rates have risen even more so in the last 20 years. And so we started at 7.8 per 100,000 in 1987. And the last data that we looked at from 2015 is up to 26 uh, per 100,000 women. So this evolution that just doesn't seem to be stopping. And so we're trying to do some things uh, to uh, solve this problem, but we need a more dramatic um, intervention than what we have done in the last 20 years. With the things that are causing this maternal mortality, uh, we are seeing women with more medical complications when they enter um, labor. And so you have those in-hospital issues uh, such as hemorrhages, um, um, hypertension, gestational diabetes, um, obesity, those kinds of things are contributing to these um, sentinel events that are occurring. But the big question for us in midwifery, I believe, is what is happening before that? Um, it is complex issue. There are social factors. I mean, how do women get to that point of being so unhealthy or having um, such a huge problem that they actually die in, preg in related to pregnancy causes? Um, the social issues are we need to have access to health care. We know that we still are struggling with the ticket to get into our health care system is money, so an insurance policy. And we still have many women who don't have insurance. Um, accessible clinic care, so that ex accessibility is problematic geographically. So you're seeing in the rural areas more hospitals closing, fewer maternity services being provided. As a matter of fact, we know in the United States, in at least 50% of our counties in the United States, there is no obstetrician and no midwife. So we have a lack of services. And then we have clinics being created that run from 8 to 4 uh, p.m. while women are working or while their support person is working and they can't get to it. So instead of creating health systems that are for our patients, and uh, geared to their needs, oftentimes we're creating healthcare services that serve 
uh, the industry, if you know what I mean. It's it's weird because an NPR and ProPublica study said that 60% of these deaths are preventable. And you mentioned the the, the numbers and the contributing factors. Uh, but is this a, uh, a specific to sp- uh, different demographics or geographical regions in the U.S.? Or is this more of a problem in poor communities? Well, it's interesting. I just read a research study looking at um, maternal mortality. And one of the biggest correlations is, as you know, the um, maternal mortality happens in women of color three to four times more than it does in Caucasian women. So when you take that um, that statistic a bit further, um, we can see that in Massachusetts has one of the very lowest maternal mortality rates, and it also has a very low percentage of women of color when compared to all states in the United States. Um, the most dramatic maternal mortality is seen right now in Washington, D.C., and that correlation is some of one of the highest rates of um, of women of color in the United States. So you have that factor. Um, that That is a huge factor. What is going on here? And that is what we're all trying to figure out. Um, what is going on here? Um, and what we have we is, um, for example, in the midwifery community, only about at this point in time, six percent of midwives are women of co- women or men of color, and we really need to diversify the healthcare workforce. And the reason is that people are more likely to receive care from a race concordant healthcare provider or from someone who understands what their culture is, what their um, issues are. Um, it's just it, it, the uh, care has been shown to be more effective. And um, and to be more better received if there's race concurrent care, we just don't have that. Not in the medical world, not in, even in the midwifery world. And we're working very hard on increasing the number of people of color who come into the healthcare workforce so that we can uh, start to uh, identify that one piece of the problem. Um, you know, part of access to care is the ability to have a good relationship with your health care provider. We can't provide episodic health care in five-minute increments with people we don't know. We're just not going to get the type of results that we need to get in that type of situation. For example, someone, you're not going to be able to, it, it's easy to tell someone lose weight and quit smoking, but it's very hard to do those things. And you're not going to get anywhere if you can't sit down with people and help them strategize how to make some of those things happen. And and on that on that point, in terms of the strategy behind uh, recruiting um, more uh, diverse midwives, uh, as the president uh, of, of Frontier uh, University, um, do you are you a part of any consortium of schools that are uh, actively doing something like this or have a program to uh, recruit more diverse students in this area just to address the um, this this particular area and this audience? Well, I, yes. Uh, first of all, at Frontier Nursing University, we've been working on this issue very hard for the last eight years. And um, we started out with about 9% of our students were um, men and women of color. And today we have about 22% of our students are men and women of color. So we're working very hard to recruit more students of color and on uh, programs that will help them remain in school and be successful in um, achieving their educational program. And uh, a lot of that is around 
going to historically black universities or any place where we can actually recruit uh, undergraduate nursing students uh, and bring them to Frontier. One of the strategies is to keep them in their home communities during their education and um, and so that they can serve those communities when they finish their education. And we are seeing some success. As a matter of fact, we're having our diversity impact this weekend, uh, which is a four-day um, workshop basically um, talking about all these issues and how we can um, solve some of these problems um, through better services in race, concord, and healthcare. Do you want to stay up to date with the latest evidence-based model for best practices in midwifery? Explore Springer Publishing's second edition of Best Practices in Midwifery. The second edition examines midwifery efforts to improve the health of women and children in the U.S. and provides a model critical of raising the U.S.'s current standing as the bottom-ranking country for maternal mortality among developed nations. With a focus on updated scientific evidence as the framework for midwifery practice, the book includes 21 completely new chapters that address both continuing and new areas of practice, the impact of institutional and national policies, and the effects of diversity and globalization. NurseCast listeners can use coupon code NurseCast to get 20% off your copy today. Learn more at springerpub.com. For all those listening who might not know, uh, Dr. Stone was recently chosen as the president of the ACNM, that's the American College of Nurse Midwives. And uh, we're, we're, we attend uh, several conferences each year, uh, A1, ACNM. And I saw that A1 has a legislative agenda for uh, how to address maternal um, mortality in the U.S. So I was wondering, does the ACNM have a similar position? And what is the ACNM doing, doing about this and addressing this problem? Yes, the ACNM definitely does. It is in our strategic priorities, but the legislative solutions, there are several that we're working on right now. One is that we really need to know what the problem is. So there's a lot of um, conjecture about what the problem is around maternal mortality. The way to really find out is to have a uh, maternal mortality review committee in every single state that operates in the same way. We have a lot of review committees. There's some in about 26 states, but they don't, there is not, they are not operating so that you can compare data to data across states. Um, so this one, this, uh, there is one uh, legislation that we have been lobbying for and moving towards um, along with our colleagues at ACOG as well in establishing a um, consistent maternal mortality review committee in, in every state. Now, these really work. For example, in California, established a maternal mortality review committee 10 years ago. So the, the, the idea is to do root cause analysis on every single mortality that happens. And then you start to see trends. When you start to see trends, you can create programs to address those problems. And, um, uh, and, and then you can see, start to see some results. And California has seen quite dramatic results, and they have definitely dropped their maternal mortality rate in the last several years, and they do have one of the lowest rates in the country. So this is an example. Uh, that is one legislative agenda. Another legislative agenda that we're working on is to identify what are the maternity um, care shortage areas in the United States. You know, we do that for primary care. Where's the primary care shortage areas? We would like to really see what ex where example, exactly are 
we having the uh, biggest problems in having maternity care providers so that then we can create programs that incentivize them to um, to go into these areas and work in, and provide some of the care that is um, that's de- desperately needed in those areas. So those are two of the legislative agendas that we're working on right now. Um, but yes, we are always working on legislative agendas. Um, yeah, uh, the the Medicaid. We're constantly trying to assure that Medicaid is not cut. Um, we just uh, just this week, uh, you know, we I live here in Kentucky, and um, the new regulations in Kentucky have uh, that have been put a play, in place are going to require people to work 80 hours a month in order to receive Medicaid benefits. This is going to be a big problem for um, so many of our population. So uh, there, there's a lot to do legislative-wise, and we all have to be politicians. Um, we also all have to vote. <laughs> that may sound simple, but it's it's so important if we're going to change some of these things. So let's address the first legislative point. So um, I guess I came across a, a CDC study on the report from nine maternal mortality review committees, and. Uh, Irrespective of the root cause analysis that's still being worked on now, uh, they approximated 700 women across the U.S. Uh, die as a result of maternal mortality each year. Do you do you think that number is uh, underreported because of the lack of that root cause analysis and the ability for states to share that data? I do think there's a potential for that to happen. We just don't know. And um, there have been some criticism in the way that the data is collected. We could be over-reporting or under-reporting. There have been enough studies to show that it, there is a problem. There is definitely a problem. And when you talk about those 700 women who are dying every year in the United States, we also have 50,000 women who are new, near misses. And a near miss is someone who becomes sick enough to be in an intensive care unit. So, um, yes, I, I do think that these maternal mortality review committees are going to be critical to helping us to solve the problem. Um you know, when we look at uh, some of these root cause analysis, even in all healthcare errors, you know that healthcare errors is a huge problem in our country to start with, and we do see that in the er- er- area of maternity care as well. When you do a root cause analysis, um, we are seeing that about 70% the very root of the cause is poor communication. So how how patients communicate with their providers, how midwives communicate with other providers, so midwives communicating with physicians, physicians with physicians. So they miss things. And so um, we are also working very hard in improving the the communication. So the, an example uh, to try to give, try to give an analogy um, in Southeast Asia, they did this with airline pilots where they had co-pilots that would not uh, tell the pilot that there, that there was a significant error going on because of hierarchies. And so they had to re uh, re-educate everybody around communication and they were able to significantly de- reduce airline cl- crashes. That is the same kind of thing we're trying to do in hospitals and in, in, in healthcare system is to really listen to each other, um, try to know what's going on so that um, so that you have fewer healthcare errors because that that is definitely a part of this. 
And Dr. Stone, as you mentioned before in your second uh, point about legislation, we need we need more nurse leaders and more nurses to step up and take that role. Uh, do you have any suggestions just to, to end this on sort of a positive note? Because this is a problem we're addressing. We're all working towards solving and resolving. But uh, what do you what would you say to a to a young nurse out there who who wants to take that step, wants to be a leader on this cause or another cause? How can they get involved? How can they they make a mark um, if they're uh, working 40, 60 hours a week? What can they do? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, being aware of the problems and uh, making sure that you are a, a member of an organization, whether it's whatever appropriate organization it is for you, whether it's A1, ACNM, ACOG, whatever it is that's appropriate for you, because that organization's responsibility is to keep you informed of the issues that are going on around you nationally and individually in your state. And then you know, honestly, we really all need to be able to lobby. We all need to be able to vote and we all need to be able to participate on different committees that are going. I mean, there, there's a lot going on out there, but sometimes we get so busy in our lives. We think that we could just go to work and do the uh, work that's right in front of us. And that won't make the change that needs to be made. But together, when we work together, um, Across, even across disciplines, whether it's nursing, midwifery, obstetrics, or that's the way that we are going to get a solution to those problems. And I can see more collaboration going on now than I've ever seen in my nearly 35 years of working in this industry, in this um, business of maternity care. Um, it's very encouraging because there's one thing when there's a big problem like this, we all come together and say, okay, we have got to make this better. Our patients deserve more than this. Women in this con country deserve better than this. And together we really can make a difference. Thank you so much, Dr. Stone. That's definitely reassuring. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we, we wish you all the best of luck on addressing this issue and, and, uh, and, and helping uh, just better understand this issue uh, of, of maternal mortality in the U.S. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of NurseCast. And always, let us know how you feel about the podcast by leaving a comment or review on our podcast page on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Amazon Polly.